Hey guys, it's Josh, and welcome back to the Not-So-Bad Bachelor Pad, your favorite podcast where we're all just balancing between raging dumpster fires and functioning adults. So go ahead, grab that cup of coffee, glass of wine, or that late-night cocktail, depending on whatever time you're listening, and let's get ready for this episode. Hey guys, it's Josh, and welcome back to the Not-So-Bad Bachelor Pad. Joining me today is Tammy Kikafer. Uh, <laughs> uh, Tammy, tell us uh, a little bit about you and where you're from and where you're at. Hey, Joshua. I'm Tammy. I'm a, I'm a psychotherapist. I've been in private practice for about 20 years now, and I'm in right outside of Denver, Colorado. Now, Colorado, that's like, it's, it's so beautiful out there. It has to be. I, it is gorgeous. So I'm. Don't tell anybody because we don't want anyone else moving here. Well, it's too late. I can. I'm. I'm already. I'm already packing bags. No. Um. I have. So by the time I'm 30, I want to hit every like all 50 states. I'm a little over halfway through, and like Colorado has just been missed by me for some reason. Wow, so, saving the best for last. Yeah. So I mean, I might as well. I might just make it 59, or 59. <laughs> I'm sorry. Wow. Math is hard right now, guys. Might as well make it 49. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. I am sorry. Um, no, but uh, so we like, to start off the sh- we like to start off the show with the same question for everybody because this is a dating podcast. So, Tammy, are you single? Are you taken? Are you complicated right now? What's your current relationship status? I am engaged. Oh, well, congratulations. Yeah. Is this a new engagement or it are we closer is, to wedding know, we day? Got, we got engaged right before everything shut down. So we've just been engaged, but we're pretty non-traditional. Like we don't live together. He lives um, about 45 minutes away and I've got two kids. And so there are 16 and 18 boys. I've got 16, 18 year old boys. And I already share my time with my boys, with my ex. So I don't like to share my time. So, um, so yeah, we're super non-traditional and, um, and we'll get married sometime. I, we just don't know when. I, like we were just talking about, uh, there's what you played and then there's reality. I was like, there's never really any rush to do things in my opinion because you never know what's going to come out of the bushes um and kind of change your plans so uh like no nobody predicted uh this pandemic so that probably uh yeah that probably definitely put a snag in things or uh unexpected wrench yeah no kidding well um how did you initially find your way into psychotherapy so I knew it's kind of a crazy story, but in 10th grade, I was sitting in my geometry class and I, I don't know, it just like came to me. I want to be a psychotherapist. And I think it was because I'm so bad at math, any kind of math stuff. And I actually just kind of like started looking at my teacher. It's funny you asked me this. I was just talking about this the other day. I was looking at my teacher and I was like, gosh, she's talking about all these math things, isosceles, triangles, and whatever, and I don't understand any of it. But I started like analyzing her and I just realized that there's like a why behind everyone's behavior. And as I started thinking about it, like my friends always come and talk to me about things and 
uh, I guess I'm easy to talk to and and kind of get like big picture. And I don't know, I just started looking at the why behind people's behavior and it just became fascinating to me. And here I am like, I don't know, I guess it's 30 years later now. Um, but doing, uh, still in, in counseling, working with people with anxiety, depression, domestic violence, trauma, relationships. Um, and then I, about 10 years ago, I got my yoga certification. And so I teach yoga also. And sometimes, um, well, before COVID happened, people are coming into the office that they bring a mat in and I come up with a yoga sequence based on what was going on with them. And then I draw pictures and they can take it home and practice the, the yoga sequences at home. So I've been combining now psychotherapy and yoga in my practice. That, I, lo- I love that. Atypical kind of healing styles. It's when you take or you relieve a little bit of the structure and you in, uh, introduce something that's kind of relaxing or creative that feels safe. I feel like that's when it really connects with people and they have the biggest development. Agreed. And I think your body, mind, spirit, I mean, it's also connected anyways. And so, you know, you can't just focus on one aspect of healing, in my opinion. So I like to combine everything and, and you just never know what's going on with a person. So a cookie cutter approach has never worked for me. So I'm always kind of thinking outside of the box and, and starting wherever my clients are, really. I mean, and I appreciate that. And I know they probably do, too, just because so often in our daily relationships and lives, people don't always meet us where we're at. And that and that's really big. I, I feel like if you're, A, trying to connect with somebody, uh, especially when there is trauma involved or um just erratic or toxic behaviors mm-hmm. you know and yeah i think early on and you know when i was just kind of learning how to do this i would it was it was real easy to be working with someone and think oh i know where you should be i know what you should do and, you know, over time, it's like, yeah, I, I could be way off base. You know, I've got to think about what's going on with my clients and where they are and, uh, and what's going to work for them. And I, I think that it does. It, it, it produces a safe atmosphere for people to come in and talk and really share what's going on, which is required if you're going to get anywhere in counseling. That's one of the things when I started coaching that I realized, uh, because before we all have that friend that's like the relationship or advice friend, like you said, and that was me, but I would always operate from a place of here's what I would do, or here's what I think is best. I was like, you're not me. So even though it may be sound advice, it may be harder for you to actualize because a you're not at a place where I'm at either mentally, emotionally or physically, or B you're just not ready yet. You know, uh, okay. I'm not saying it couldn't work, but maybe there's a couple steps that we need to address before yeah. you can reach this point. Mm-hmm. And I work with about, I don't well, I don't know, 60% of my clients are couples and, you know, the other 
the other 40% are maybe, you know, people in relationships or work in our relationships or, you know, relationships work their way into it. And I think, you know, getting divorced, um, I don't even know how many years ago it was eight or nine or 10 something. Um, you know, it was like, now I get what divorce is about and, and, you know, getting out of a relationship and, and then having to navigate, like, who am I again as a single person? And then who am I in a relationship? And I don't know, it just, you know, it was a game changer for really working with couples for me. I feel like I get even, even more the ins and outs of relationships. So that was a big game changer. I could imagine. Um, I say this, um, it's so hard to like people who have a shared trauma or a shared experience, they understand each other so much more because they've been through it. You know, people are like, oh, I, I understand where how you feel and where you're coming from. But if you really haven't gone through that experience, I find it hard to believe that you do understand. I'm sure you can sympathize, but you can't really put yourself in that person's shoes because you haven't lived that truth or that trauma. Yeah, that's such a good point, especially with trauma. I think that that's so very true. Yeah. Well, guys, I mean... You you know psycho like well therapists in general uh they they deal with a lot of a lot of trauma but today we're gonna deal more with I like to think of like the romance side of of this on a lighter note you know we we don't want to go too deep today you know it's it's early days of spring we're thinking new life uh, instead of uh, the maybe the, the the ending stages yes so one of the reasons I asked Tammy to come on today is because. Her specialty, I've, I've, I've um, kind of aligns with a question that I've been having for almost two years, almost since we started the show. And that's about what is a healthy relationship and how do we go about maintaining that? So I, I have to ask, I, I think this is the easiest way just to define it. What do you consider a healthy relationship? Uh, you know, I think that... In order to have a healthy relationship, you as an individual have to be in a healthy space. Um, I think that knowing what it is that you want in a relationship, being able to set good boundaries for yourself, being able to communicate, um, and being able to solve problems, the conflict part of relationships, there's no perfect relationship out there. So you have to know how to handle conflict. And when I'm working with couples, you know, the, the, to watch them, how they manage fights, you're going to fight, you're going to argue. It's kind of a determination to me, whether they're going to make it or not, uh, because we can get into that in a little bit, but a healthy relationship, just being able to create like a trusting atmosphere with each other so that you can be yourself so that you can, I mean, I don't know, you know, when you're arguing with someone and, and you I don't know, kind of lose your mind and whatever, and, and then you come back and feel really silly because you said things that you didn't mean or whatever. And the, the, when there's a trusting atmosphere, um, they accept you. The other person accepts you. It doesn't mean it's okay or right, but it means like, all right, we all do it. And, and I want to be with you. I love you. You're my person. And let's figure this out together. So I think a trusting atmosphere is really important for a healthy relationship, but really it has to start with you as an individual person. I think. You know what? That's true. Uh, you're not ready for things 
it doesn't matter if you are with your person or the right partner, things might not work out because you haven't taken the time or you just haven't reached a place where you've worked through all your emotional, potentially baggage, function properly with another person. Um, and those are that, those are the toughest situations to watch because I, I think I've seen a couple of my friends have really good partners who I was like, you know, this person was, is for you, but you got a lot of crap that you need to clear up before you can really make this work. Yeah. And it, it doesn't mean, you know, you have to be in a perfect space for a relationship, but I just think you have to be aware of it. And otherwise, you know, one, I think it's real easy to go into one bad relationship after another or be attracted to the same kind of person over and over again, even though you know it's toxic. And I think that, you know, I don't know that there's that place where you go, oh, I'm in the perfect space for a relationship. I think that it's about being aware and being able to step back and being able to evaluate yourself and not just be focused on everything that your partner is doing to make you angry, but being able to step back and really own your part of it also. I never really thought about it like that. Like, I, I know there's never a perfect time or place, but you're right. I mean, you're right. Sometimes you do just have to, like, jump in, give it a go. Um, like you said, it's key, the key part of that, though, is being aware of yourself. Um, mm-hmm. If you're not taking stock or inventory or, like, allowing time for self-care, I think you're, like, you're pretty much subscribing to doom a relationship, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, also, like you said, I love, I love the whole trusting atmosphere thing. Um, because I, I agree. I like, I don't necessarily, me personally, I don't think conflict or arguing inside a relationship is bad. I think it's the opposite. I think it's, yeah, I don't trust any relationship where like people don't argue Yeah. because, or like disagree mm-hmm. because it's human nature that like, you're different you're not the same person. And even if you were there are times where you want different things. Like, even if it's something small, like one person wants Mexican tonight and the other person wants Chinese, like it's not a huge deal, but you, it's something you guys don't agree on, you know, and you hash it out. Mm -hmm. And then there's compromise and then there's working together and you have to compromise in a relationship. But I think that that's very different than compromising yourself maybe there's two kinds of compromise. Yes. So if you compromise things that are your non-negotiables in a relationship, then your confidence is going to tank. And because you're not listening to yourself, you're not respecting yourself. So how can someone else respect you if you're not even respecting yourself? But I think that there is definitely compromise in a, re- in a relationship. Like you said, you know, you come into it, you're two different people, you come from two different backgrounds, two different ways of growing up. And so now all of a sudden, like, boom you're together and of course you're going to have conflict um like I said like that's so people like I said people think that's negative sometimes but I'm the opposite like I said it's positive because people think that's negative sometimes but I'm the opposite like I said it's positive because if anything that will stimulate growth um once you get to um, like I said, there there are different types of conflict and compromise, I believe. I, I don't believe that you should change who you are as a person for another person. That I 100% mm-hmm. don't believe in. 
but I do think it's okay to change and evolve for yourself or start to really realize um, what it is and who you are as a person. Uh, we were talking um, last week, maybe a friend of mine, uh, a friend of me, and we were like, you don't really know who you are when you're younger. So to try to bring those same principles to your relationship today would be a little difficult um, simply because you're not the same person. Or okay. if you try to date an ex again, like, so sometimes you go back and put those same lenses on or you look at them the same way. But if you've, if it's been some time and you've both done the work, you're different people. So you have to start over. Yeah. You know, even right. though you know so much about each other, it's not the same person it was six months ago, a year ago, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. I have a, I have a theory where I think that we have these two puberties. I think that you have your normal one and then I swear you go through a second one. It's like your second adolescence between like 21 and 28. And I just think that, and I don't know why those ages, they just, they just sound clear to me. I've, I've seen it in my clients that I work with too. And myself, like when you're around 28, you're such a different person than you were at 21. And sometimes you look back at relationships when you were, you know, 21, 22, 23, and later on, you're like, God, I can't even imagine being with that person again. Like, I'm such a different person now. And so you're right. I think that there's a lot of concepts that change during that time. And, um, and it's all, it's all growth. It's all just learning more about yourself. So and, and it's not that people can't stay together, like when if they get together when they're 21 or 22, but I think that you just go through so many changes that yeah. if they go through those changes in the right or in the same speed and the same direction, then they can stay together. But oftentimes you go in these different directions and, and you're just such a different person. I I have to kind of agree with that. Um, For me, I like I noticed that like the second puberty, so to speak, at 25. Mm-hmm. That's why. Uh-huh. That's why I noticed it. it was like once, like twenty four. I was like, I'm, uh, I'm still young. Uh, but I was like, I could relate to those fresh out of high school, like early college kind of people. But it's something about. I guess that's maybe what it is. Is like we're like about that time. Um, we're like finishing university, and we're entering into the professional world, and so you're, 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 you're dealing with a larger age range of people so you start to mature a little quicker than you do with peers of your own age and so when you hit because I remember for me when I turned like 25 24 25 I was like I can't live on campus anymore I can't live near a bar or like (laughs) a campus bar because it's so loud and like I like I have bedtimes like I'm starting to think all these thoughts where two or three years prior I'm like no, I want to be by the bars. That way it's easier to go out and like do all this other stuff, you know? Yep. Different things matter. Your priorities change, your perspective on life changes. And, and, uh, and I don't think that, you know, once you turn 28, you know, what's going on. I almost feel like you have these little midlife crises all the time and like maybe seven or eight years you had every, you know, things just change. Your personality stays the same, but uh, but I think there's just a major change in those twenties, and then, but yeah, your perspective on life changes throughout, you know, your life. So yeah, 
Mm-hmm. Like I said, I, I feel like that's when we start to really settle into our personality. Um, like as a kid, we kind of settle into, are we extroverted, introverted? But at like your mid to late 20s, you settled, you start to settle into who you are just like as an adult, so, some, you know, um, so yeah. to speak. Not to say that we we stop growing or maturing at that age, but mm-hmm. you really have a you by that time period. I feel like you know if you are a a mover or a planter. Mm-hmm. Like I, I I knew pretty early on that I was a mover. I don't really like to stay in one place for too long, but I'm also not bound by any commitment. You know, mm-hmm. no kids, no marriage, um, no real debt. So I was like, I can go places, but then you have some people who were like. No, like they stay in their hometown like their entire lives and they feel fulfilled from that. Right. And I think as long as you're listening to yourself, I guess it goes back to what you're talking about. Just that ability to be self-aware and question, like, how am I doing? Am I happy? Do I, am I bored? Do I want something different? Am I holding myself back? I think that those are questions that, you know, you want to ask yourself often yeah like even for me um I used to be like I said I I used to move frequently uh I've I'm in Columbus now and this is the longest I've ever really lived anywhere besides like when I was a minor like a child um Mm -hmm. and I was like I felt myself I was like I'm getting kind of stagnant I'm not as hungry or ambitious as I used to be and I was like I kind of don't like it (laughs) and so I was like you know what regardless I like of what happens this year like if I get the job I want or whatever I was like I think it's it's time to move because putting myself in that space where I'm uncomfortable again that's where I really shine um and that's where my growth happens so yeah I think we all like even if you don't go too deep in yourself I think that's a pretty surface level thing that we all can do is am I hungry am I still that same go-getter I was Uh Or am I just complacent right now and just playing it safe? And I think sometimes, you know, when you're talking about relationships, um, sometimes you don't know what you want until you know what you don't want. And being in, you know, relationships, I think it gives you an opportunity to step back and really think about, am I happy? Am I getting my needs met? Um, Am I fulfilled? Am I... Um, can I be myself? Can I, am I looking for something different? Um, yeah. So I think that sometimes you don't know what you really want until you know what you don't want. Yes. But speaking of relationships and you kind of talked about it earlier, people being attracted to the same types of people who like may not be good for them, maybe a little bit toxic. I think that stems from our kind of first love. Like the first time we really experienced love. Mm-hmm. but I feel like people don't really, they miss it. They think their first love is, act, they think their second love is actually their first love. Mm, I've never thought that I like that. And what I mean by that is we all have like that like puppy love where we have our first like real crush. Yeah. But I think before that we experience like true love and that is like our parents. Hmm. Way back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's and it's it's so way way back. We don't think about it, but really, yeah. I was like, you have this um, deep emotional and physical bond with these people. 
Um, and then you also watch how their relationships interact and unfold. And that kind of teaches us how relationships should be or like the idea of them. Whether it's you see it and you don't like it and you're like, I want a relationship completely different than my parents or I want what they have. So crucial. Agreed. And, for, and, I, and I think it's crazy how, how much it can vary because there are so many different types, especially now. There are so many different types of homes. Like um, you're divorced and like now you like you share custody with, uh, you know, your ex-partner with your kids. But for me, I was like, uh, my mom had full custody and they, they were never married, which is not a problem. But I, I knew as a kid, I was like, I want a different type of relationship mm-hmm. than I had, than they had. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, I want to be with my, we all, hopefully, we all uh, maybe want to be with our person forever, you know, and forever. We, hope, we hope that we get it right on the first try. Yep. But sometimes that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that as kids, you're just, I mean, you hear it all the time. You're just a sponge and you're soaking it all up. And and I think you're right, like your family or your caregiver, whoever it is, an aunt, an uncle, a grandparent, yes. a, you know, uh, an adoptive parent, a step-parent, your biological parents, doesn't matter who your caregiver is. You look at them and you think, oh, I guess this is the way that it should be. And and as a little kid, you just kind of come into the world thinking that whatever, however you grew up, this is how it's supposed to be. And I guess it's until you start getting out into the world that you start comparing like, whoa, their family does things quite differently. Or, you know, they don't yell as much over at my parent at my friend's house. Or, you know, you start to compare what's better, what's worse. Um what's good, what's bad, what's, what's right, what's wrong. So I think that, uh, that your family dynamics has so much to do, um, when, and I I go into this, in fact, um, I can talk about it later, but I've written a book and I have an online course, um, about finding healthy love and how it has to start with you first. And that's my first chapter is, um, family roles and, you know, whether you're, like the family hero, the enabler, the scapegoat, the mascot, you know, there's the lost child, there's five roles that I talk about and how you grow up, you know, we all kind of fall into these roles and sometimes there's an overlap, but you're likely to be attracted to, um, it gets kind of complicated, but the one role is likely to be attracted to another role and there's pros and cons to all of it, but that's where it starts is, is how you grew up and what was role modeled to you. That's so interesting. Um, so I'm, I'm, cause I'm, I'm curious, uh, now what's the, what's the title of your book? Um, it's called preparing for the jungle, avoiding snakes and pitfalls on the path to healthy love. I think that's a great title because <laughs> thanks. I mean, if, if love isn't a battlefield, it's definitely a jungle. <laughs> Okay, there's a bunch of trees, vines, you name it. You're right, snakes, other things just waiting to trip you up along the way. Uh huh. Um, Thanks. So I, I think I think that's a that's an amazing title. Um, I can't I can't wait to kind of read. Is it is it out yet or is it is it coming? 
Yeah, it's on Amazon. It's on pre-sales right now on Amazon, um, but it'll be available to be in your hands April 19th. So it's just coming around the corner, but you can order pre-sale right now. That's perfect. Because, you know, as, as long as I've been in the whole relationship game, uh, both as a participant and a, a coach, uh, there's still always something to learn. <laughs> I was like, we never, nobody's ever at the, you know, the, the very top. Yeah, there's always something to learn. I'm still learning, and I talk about this stuff all the time. Exactly. So I learn, I learn every single day. I learn from my kids all the time. People really don't, they, they forget that. But as a kids are the best teachers. Um, uh-huh. And they also give you a mirror at um, kind of how you're doing. Because uh-huh. like I said, you, you're setting the tone for them. So typically yeah. when they display certain behaviors, you kind of have to look. Uh, Ooh. <laughs> how, how, how did we get here? How did, you know? Right. And they will call me out and, and you know, they've got, they've got a voice. So it's, it's good to listen to them. <laughs> good. Um, we were kind of talking previously um, attachment styles and like personality styles. How do you think they do? You, well, a you think they go hand in hand, and how we do our relationships? Yeah, in fact, that's chapter three and four um, in the book. <laughs> yeah, you're calling it right Listen, now. I'm really. just, I, I swear, <laughs> God, she did not give me an advanced copy of this. I haven't seen the manuscript. <laughs> I have not, but uh, I'm. Uh... <laughs> I happen to know a couple things about that. So this is perfect. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think that so attachment styles, there's, there's a anxious attachment, secure attachment, avoidant attachment, and a healthy attachment. And, and based on, you know, so much of how you attach has to do with your caregiver. So if your caregiver was um, really avoidant, you were kind of left to your own devices to figure your stuff out. You had to rely on yourself. You, it was up to you to get your needs met. And a lot of times um, the personality type that comes from an avoidant attachment style tends to be more self-centered, more narcissistic because that, you know, you learn how to trust the world and you learn how to trust people during this attachment phase. So if no one was there to help you out, you had to rely on yourself. And a lot of times, like that's just one example, but um, someone who may be a little more self-centered or narcissistic and you can see how they would come out of an attachment like that because they, they, they've got to get their own needs met. Um, yeah. I I can see that, um, because we did attachment styles a while back, um, and I was, um, secure avoidant, um, but I was like, just the way, like I said, I spent more time with my mom than I did my dad, um, Mm -hmm. she was present, but she also was, she left me alone a lot, um, simply because, A, she had to work more. So she was a sole breadwinner. Um, yeah. And then also, she she never really babied me. She's, which I love, like, ne- looking back on, I love that fact. Um, You're was, probably super independent and yep. rely on yourself. Yep. Exactly. And that's what she mm-hmm. wanted. She was like, I won't always be there. Or you might not always yeah. have somebody you can rely on. So you need to be able to rely on yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And I think if I didn't have that, I don't think, like I said, it goes back to like, I think that's where the my whole drive and ambitious uh, mentality comes from is the fact that I know I have to be the one to motivate myself and I have to be the one to go out and kind of make a name because nobody's going to do it for me. Nobody's going to live my dream for me. Exactly. And there's extremes to all of those. You know, I mean, being, um, being a go-getter, relying on yourself, you know, the positive part of that is being able to ask yourself, what do I want to do? Oh, how am I going to do it? Oh, I'm relying on myself to do it. I'm it. You know, whatever I put into this is what I'm going to get out of it. And then you, your confidence is, it, it, you've got to have a great sense of confidence because, it, because you're putting all the effort and work into it and you're not relying on someone. And think of the polar opposite, someone who's reliant on somebody for everything. You know, their confidence is going to be really low and they're, they're not going to trust themselves. They're not going to trust their gut feeling. But when you're relying on yourself, you do trust your gut feeling and you tend to have a really strong personality. Yeah. And I, anybody who knows me knows I'm very uh, persistent to say the least. Um, But also that's, I think that's kind of one of my weaknesses as well is sometimes it does become the Josh show. um, But when you're in a partnership, it needs to be the couple show. And that's the self-awareness, you know? I mean, we've all got stuff. I've got stuff. You've got stuff. Everyone's got stuff. And when you're aware of it, then like you said, when you're looking at your kids and, and, you know, they're the mirror of you, it's the same thing with a partner. When you're reading your partner and they're like, you know, just feeling not listened to or you shut them down or they don't feel included in something, then it's like, oh, okay, that that piece of me is coming out. So I've got to step back and... And let me let me just kind of um, be have that self awareness. Yeah. Um, so I'm. You've done this for so long. What's your attachment style? Um, I think you know it has. I think I grew up probably being more dependent. Mm-hmm. I think it was probably um, like an anxious attachment type of style and I think I was I had more of a dependent personality um and again I mean this this book and my course like it didn't just come out of nowhere like I had to live this entire thing first before I realized I should maybe put this on paper and so I think that, yeah, by, by being, by understanding my family role is more of that enabler kind of person with the attachment part of, you know, being the youngest and everybody did everything for me. And, you know, I, um, um, always kind of had like a dependency anxious kind of thing. And then realizing like, this isn't working for me. I had to figure my stuff out. And, and that's when that's the self-awareness that kicks in and it's like, all right, what do I need to do? to be more independent, to rely on myself, to be able to be assertive and set limits and boundaries. And, and yeah, I think that by, by doing the work, I do feel like, you know, I'm, I'm my best self that I could be right now, which is when I happen to meet my partner, Jim, and you know, it's like no relationship that I've ever been in has probably been my healthiest relationship ever. 
And I think that it came along at the time when I was um, really solid internally. I mean, that's, that's beautiful. That's what we all strive for um, is being both balanced um, internally um, and within our relationships just because nobody wants to be a parent in their, you know, romantic relationship. Uh, 100%. Like, I I just, I can't do it. Like, I was talking to somebody, they're like, why does age matter? And I was like, I'm not going to say age matters, but maturity matters. And age is sometimes tied to that. Mm -hmm. Um, If, like, you could be five or six years older than I am, but still living in, you know, in the past, in your 20s, where I'm, you know, looking forward and actually thinking about things. And I was like, yeah, you're older, but we're in two different places mentally. And that could either make you more or less attractive, you know? Agreed. Yeah, I don't, age age doesn't really, doesn't matter. After a certain age, age doesn't matter. I think when you're younger, age definitely matters. Yes, 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 yes. yes. As you get older, yeah, then I almost feel like it turns into like old soul kind of thing, you know, where you just connect with people and, and I don't know, you can't help who comes across your path. I think that it's all about, you know, people say, well, how can I meet the right person? How can I meet? You know, I think that there's, there's a part of it that you don't have any control over. You can't help who crosses your path, right. but you can help the energy that you're putting out and if you're putting out a confident energy where, where you kind of have that mentality of like, I'm good whether I meet someone or not. And if I meet someone, they're going to be a bonus in my life. And I just live by that because that's the energy that you put out. And that's when you're typically going to find someone else who also is pretty secure in themselves. And, and you guys become a bonus in each other's lives. And that's why I really like the saying twin flame opposed to better half uh, simply because I don't think and that's why I really like the saying twin flame opposed to better half uh, simply because I don't think we're broken or that another person completes us Um, like I said we are whole we just have to find that that balance and then when we find somebody else who's also as balanced, then we're just having a chill time on the seesaw, you know? We're not swinging up and down, you know? We're just, just, right. just hanging, just vibing. I love that. I love the twin flame thing. I haven't I haven't heard of that. I remember when I got married the first time and uh, I refused to blow my candle out. I'm like, I'm not blowing my candle out. I can't lose my candle. Yeah. <laughs> so I love the twin flame idea. I love it. it sticks. I was like, we both should be burning brightly, you know? I. I shouldn't overshadow you. You shouldn't overshadow me. We should be able to both burn brightly. And then when we get close enough, we just kind of unify and become just a bigger flame. That's yep. Um, Sometimes it's a bonfire, but oh well, you deal with it and you manage it. Listen, we who doesn't love a bonfire, though? <laughs> you know? Who doesn't love a bonfire? <laughs> That's right. Um, no. So I have like one more big question for you. And that is how do, I don't know if you've addressed this with your clients, but 
do you have any advice if we want to break out of our toxic relationship patterns? And what I mean by that is not specifically just are we in a relationship that's not great for us, but how do we break the trend of dating or going back to that same type of person again and again? Um, so it is, I think if you're in a toxic relationship, it's really hard to get out of a toxic relationship that as long as you're in it, um, you gotta get some help, you know, trying to get out of it by yourself is, is almost impossible because when you're in it for such a long time, you stop trusting yourself and your confidence as well. And, and then you just kind of feel like I'm never going to find anyone else. Or, um, if there's threats, you know, as far as like, you know, you can't leave me or I'm going to kill myself or, you know, you hear, you hear about it. It's a thing. And, and, um, and so I think that if you're in one, you got to get some help and some support to get out. But once you're out, um, really doing the work on yourself, understanding, you know, getting that confidence back up again, knowing what it is that you're looking for, knowing the difference between a healthy relationship and a toxic relationship, um, knowing the difference between um, healthy intimacy and unhealthy intimacy. Um, but I think that, you know, really looking back and, and having a checklist for yourself, um, have, you know, to ask yourself also to, to look at a potential partner, are they, do, do they respect themselves? Um, are they willing to be self-aware? Can they communicate? Can they stop and listen? Do they own their behavior? Um, will they apologize? Um, have they done some work on themselves? Um, yeah, I guess like being accountable for their actions. Um, and, and you want to make sure that your energy matches, um, each other. It's not that you can't have differences. I mean, you can have people who are on completely two different political sides of the fence, which is one thing that people fight most of over. But if they hear each other and listen to each other, respect each other, then you can make the relationship work if you have differences. It's just that mutual respect. Yeah. And I, I love that you said that, do they own, like, own up to their, um, just own up to themselves. Um, for, for me, and no matter how old I get or like how long I've known people, one excuse that of bad behavior that I'd never condone is, oh, I was drunk, so I did this. I was like, no. I was like, alcohol should not be an excuse for you to misbehave um, or reason that I, or that you're forgiven for a situation. Uh, because if you did it while you were intoxicated, I was like, you probably would do it under the right sober conditions as well, or it's something that you wanted to do. Uh, mm -hmm. I feel like it's, that's, that's one of the big signs for me, a major red flag because it means that you're obviously not completely happy in your situation. Um, and alcohol is your escape because you might, you probably want to escape your relationship. Oh, there's so much truth in that. Yeah. 
And I think like when someone says, well, it, you know, sorry, I was, I was drunk. Sorry. You know, it's like, I think that it dismisses what happened. Exactly. Um, I mean, yeah, when you're, when you're drunk, when you're intoxicated, when you're high, when you're whatever, I think that, you know, your inhibitions are definitely compromised. So do people act differently? Yeah. But you got to own it. And then you got to change it. Right. So if you apologize, I mean, I think an apology is one thing. I think the actions speak louder than words. Um, but not to dismiss something because like, oh, I was drunk. I think you're right. Like that just feels super disrespectful. So instead, it's like, you know, I think a, a more healthy response could be, oh, my God, I am so sorry. I've got I've got to make this right. Like and now I'm going to change my behavior or I want to talk more about how you felt or I want to talk about, you know, what, what kind of damage did I do when I was drunk? Um, that shows a lot of ownership, a lot of responsibility. And I think it also shows a lot of, um, a lot of confidence too, because it's hard to apologize for stuff. You do stick your foot in your mouth and it's not fun to own up, but you have to, if you're going to have a healthy relationship. And I've like, I've always known that I'm weird because I love apologizing. Um, and, but I don't do it all the time. And what I mean by that is if I'm wrong, I wholeheartedly can admit it because I was like, yeah, like we all kind of fuck up sometimes, but mm-hmm. I, I think that's a, like, it's like I said, it's a learning opportunity. It's a chance to grow. And it shows that how much you value a connection yeah. I tell people all the time, sorry guys, this is like completely, it's not completely off the rails, but it's it's separate than what we've been talking about. I say, um, let me know when I mess up so I can fix it. Because, like I said, I, I think that's how you can tell if somebody really values your relationship. Um, so often, if you're mad at me and don't give me a chance to rectify it, I feel like, A, you didn't really value our relationship. Or if yeah. you don't say anything and allow me to continue doing that, you're also not secure in our relationship because you feel like if, I feel like if you were secure, you would trust me enough to tell me I'm hurting you. Um, So true. Yeah. And that goes right back to that trusting atmosphere, like for someone to be able to call you out and then for you to listen to them and value their opinion and apologize and make it right. I mean, you'll feel a deeper connection with somebody after that type of conflict because there was a mutual respect, there was trust, there was communication, you connected. And now you feel even closer to somebody. But imagine, imagine, you know, where you can feel that wedge in a relationship if someone said, hey, you did this last night and I didn't appreciate it. And they're like, whatever, you know, I was drunk. Where does that conversation go? It goes, it's trashed. Yeah. Well, Tammy, it's been so fun having you on today. Um, <laughs> you've confirmed a lot of like the ideas and thoughts I've had in my head. You've also given me a couple different ways to look and process things. So hopefully you guys took a lot away from this as well. Um, go ahead. I did. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I love talking about this stuff. I just, you know, every interaction that I have with with new people, I learned so much also. And, uh, and I hope that, you know, some of this can help your listeners as well. I'm sure it will, but we can't let you go quite, quite yet. There's still one thing we have to do before we, before we get you out of here. Okay. 
You and, bet. And that is our reverse icebreaker. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, they're just it's it's fun. It's just a couple quick questions um, that help us get to know who Tammy is as a person. We know who she is as a professional, but like, uh-huh. who's Tammy the person? Uh, so we know that you are already off the market. You are engaged to Jim. Uh-huh. Um, but what was a big turn on when you had met Jim? Like that was different from your first relationship, maybe. Um, I think he was, well, it's a funny story. Like I definitely was not ready to start dating and, uh, and he was persistent that he was also really patient. I mean, I think he asked me if I wanted to go have a beer with him for like six months and I was like, nope, 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 every time, nope. And, uh, and then finally I did. And, and I think we, you know, then we went to a concert and then we had dinner and then, you know, one thing led to another. Um, I think his, his confidence in himself allowed him to be patient and just wait. And I appreciated that so much as a single mom. And, um, you know, I didn't feel like there was a pressure. I didn't feel like there was a rush. Um, and I think that he really respected me as, as a, as a mom with two kids and, uh, he didn't force to meet the kids. He, you know, it was just, everything was kind of on my timeline with that. Yeah. So I think his, his confidence, his patience, um, he just, he's got a heart of gold and, um, and yeah, I think that, um, it's, it's like no other relationship, you know, he listens to me and believe me, we have it out. Um, because you have to sometimes, you do. but I think that, you know, he's, he has told me like leaving, ending something. It's, it's not even an option. Like we're going to figure our stuff out and, and every single time we do. So I guess there's that trusting, that trust part also. Yeah. I mean, that's an affirmation for you. Um, so what's a red flag that you are, that you now look out for, um, in relationships? Uh, huge red flag is that ownership thing, you know, not owning your behavior. Um, yeah, it is just an absolute non-negotiable. I think that, um, if if you're not going to own your behavior to me, it is a sure, sure thing that you're not going to change. Because why would you change something if you don't think you're doing anything wrong? Yes. You're not going to change it. So I think that you get those people who, you know, want someone to change and want someone to change. And they, they turn themselves inside out trying to explain what they want to change. But if the other person isn't going to own it, you can expect the same thing over and over and over again. I, I can agree. You know, um, like they say, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Um, if people don't think that, you know, their crap doesn't stink and they're, they're not doing anything wrong, why would they make any adjustments? Exactly. Uh, and I think that, that making those adjustments and owning your stuff means that you have a high level of confidence. You're a stable person. I mean, it says so much about your character, I think. And it's a huge display of emotional intelligence, you know? Yeah, yeah absolutely. What's one thing? Because, so we have a saying, um, it feels like maybe just my generation, like millennials have the saying, after 25, you're like prepared to be a stepdad. Uh, oh really? <laughs> yeah, because it, it it's like we like we had kids like a lot of us had kids really uh really early on, so it's like like I'm still single. I'm in the dating market, but it's like everywhere I turn, it's like 
like they either have kids or like you know mm. and i was like which is not a problem but it's yeah. it's like well yeah dating a sing like a, a another single like person is already tough dating it a is. single parent like that that just seems like harder so like, dad. yeah so uh-huh. what what advice or like what do you think that's one thing if somebody is interested in somebody with kids um should do if they're trying to win them over not the kids but like the like the parent yeah well i think that first you have to be on the same page so you know if the person who you're interested is a single parent um you want to make sure that like are they just looking for something quick are they looking for something long term are they you know i think that being on the same page about what you're looking for is important um but I don't know, I guess just speaking from experience, I think that, um, you know, you have an obligation as a single parent and your obligation is your kids and they've got to come first. And I think that, um, you know, one of the things I get, you know, with Jim is that he, he didn't feel like he was in a competition with my kids. He just knew that we would have our time when, when I could. And so he didn't try to compete with my kids. He didn't try to compete for attention. He didn't try to give me a hard time if I was going to like a soccer game that got rescheduled because of a rainy day and we had plans. You know, I would try to be as respectful of his time as I could. But man, you got to have some flexibility and you've got to be secure in yourself because those kids come first. And it doesn't mean that that he's not important to me. It's just that I've got an obligation and and my kids come first. So I guess having the flexibility, the being able to tell me like, all right, Tammy, I haven't seen you. Like we got to get together. So I appreciate just the honesty also. I understand that. Uh, And I think one of the reasons I, because I've I've dated a couple moms, I think I find them so attractive uh, is the fact that they put their kids first mm-hmm. for me i was like there's no way i can continue a relationship with you if you put me before your kids because that means you're probably going to repeat that relationship and put if we don't work out somebody else and before our kids oh yeah you know yeah mm-hmm. um, sorry there's a train yeah. going by uh <laughs> <laughs> no and i was like i was like and that's just that's really just like a huge turnoff for me so i can Okay, yeah, we get it. You're passing. Stop going. Um, uh, so I, I completely get where you're coming from on that. Um, oh, crap. See, I lost, I lost my train of thought. Oh, um, just, yeah, dating someone who puts the kids in front of you is kind of a red flag. Cause, yeah. Because, yeah. like I said, I was like, you want the best for your kids, and you want the person that you're with to be a great parent or co-parent, potentially. And mm-hmm. that stems from being selfless at times. Uh, like you said, it means flexible. What's one thing that you think you could do better as as a partner? Um, probably, probably listen more. Probably um, be a little bit more flexible. Like I said, Jim's flexible. He's patient. I probably could be more flexible, and um, you know, and and probably listen to his needs more. Um, you know, I've got a a lot going on and working and self-employed and, and kids and everything. And, and so, you know, I probably don't tell him enough how much I appreciate him. So probably as soon as we finish this up, I'll give him a quick call and let him know that. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, I know he'll appreciate that. Um, and then my last question for you would be, where can we find you if we need a little bit of help or from like with ourselves, with our partners, um, yeah. or we just want to, you know, just, uh, learn more about psychotherapy. Um, probably my website is the best. Um, it's healthyhealing.net. So healthyhealing.net is my website. And then from there, I believe all my um, social media, the, I've got a TikTok. I've got a bit, um, yeah, I talk about relationships, talk about red flags, talk about um, being healthy, anxiety, depression, everything. Um, I've got, um, I think there's a YouTube channel, kind of working with a, a team of people who are putting some stuff out there, but Instagram, YouTube. Um, I'm not big on Twitter. But probably the website is the first place to go to, and then there's links to everything else. All righty. Um, you heard it here, guys. And don't forget, April 19th, Tammy's book will be coming out. And in case you forgot that amazing title, it's Preparing for the Jungle, Avoiding Snakes and Pitfalls on the Way to Healthy Love. Did I get that right? Did I remember it right? Uh on the path to healthy on love. The, on the path you know what? You did 99% amazing with that long title. So good job. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. See guys, nobody's perfect. Not even your amazing host. You know, sometimes I have uh, mishaps. <laughs> Um, oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate this. It was awesome. And, um, and I'm happy to come back anytime you want. Listen, we'll definitely have you on and uh, we'll, we'll delve into some deeper matters, you know. Um, oh, I'm in. All right, guys, we'll see you um, next Thursday. And don't forget. All right, guys, that's all I got for you today. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Not So Bad Bachelor Pad. We will see you again next week for an all new episode with just within another amazing guest. Hopefully you enjoyed this. Don't forget to like, share, and leave a nice rating or review so other people can find us and join the Not So Bad fam. If you wanna be, if you, if you wanna be, if you wanna be my lover.